Hi, friends and colleagues. It's John Fischetti, along with my dear colleague, Scott Emick. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of We Will Get Through This, Transformative Leadership for Disruptive Times. And Scott, how are you? We have a great guest today. I'm doing well, John. It's good to see you. And you're right, you really do. Josie, this is, uh, this is Josie Bailey. And we have known Josie for quite a while. I've been in Australia a little over five years. And I think Josie was one of the first school principals that I had the privilege of meeting. Lovely. Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. So, Josie, you have, um, you've been a school principal and now you're what's termed in New South Wales a director. And I think in that role, you oversee 20 plus schools. That's right. And you're also... So we kind of look at you as a leader of leaders. So, so we're really pleased that you've taken the time to join us. And, and I think maybe to kick this off, what we'd, we'd love for you to talk to us about is in these, in these really challenging times, what are you seeing out there that, that's giving you hope? What are, the, what are the, the bright spots out there that are, you know, when you, when you work with your leaders, you get into your schools, what are the things you're seeing that, that are really positive? Look, I start off by saying how incredibly proud I am of the whole education profession, the way that educators, both principals, teachers, etc., have manoeuvred this ever-changing platform that we call our school environments. It has truly been remarkable. And that in itself is something to be incredibly proud of. I believe um, that during this time, we've actually seen some incredible leadership come to light and not just leaders by title but leaders from people who are able to take a situation and and improve it and, and support others around them so i think it's been the making of many leaders and that certainly is a huge bright spark for education i think um there's been a lot of legacies that have been born during COVID. i think for many principals they've said to me even though it's been stressful it's been challenging They've actually built stronger relationships with their with their communities and with their teachers and students than they had when they were in the schools. That sounds strange because you'd think we'd be more disconnected, but they actually said it actually made them more raw and more real coming forward and supporting them and, and telling them about the challenges they were facing as well. It actually has brought us all closer together. And that has been an absolute um advantage of COVID, if you can say there's been any advantages, it actually has improved our leadership and our relationships. So that's been a really positive. Yeah, Josie, your job is sort of to drive change and whatever definition of excellence we're using today in your schools. Before February, let's say, as you started this year, you had agendas with your schools for this year in in total, not that each one doesn't have their own. What were some of those big themes you were hoping would be part of this year before we got into all this stuff? And then how has that changed and evolved as we've negotiated through now to November? Look, I think our, our big mission this year was we're entering our new four-year planning cycle. So our, our big uh, focus has been on having that rich situational analysis, building on where we are currently at to propel us into the future. I don't think that has changed, but what I think COVID has done, it's actually um, given us the opportunity to see what really is important. And our big buzzword is the decommissioning of things that we have just done because we've always just done them. And I think in some ways 
that has really let us focus on what really matters, you know, caring about our students, knowing our students, having great relationships, really meeting kids at their point of need. It has really brought forward the equity issue to our schools. We've always known we've had disadvantaged students, but when we've actually, it sounds um, a bit unusual that we've actually been inside people's homes in a different way. You know, we've made phone calls home. We've heard about what's happening in their families. Uh, we've met parents on the curb with packages of, of whether it's food or schoolwork. But we've, made, we've built relationships. We've actually got a bit of a view of what this inequity looks like in reality. It's all well and good to say, yes, you've got um, a disadvantaged school, you'll get this and that funding and, and put that funding to use. But actually knowing where that funding needs to go and how inequitable some of our students live has been a game changer for our principals. So I think, you know, our big, our big mission this year was to get it right in our next four-year plan. And I do believe that the challenges of COVID and the way that it has exposed a lot of inequities and the way it exposed need and also the, ability, the um, need to, do, to get rid of some of the stuff that is just stuff taking up our time has been a game changer in our school plans. And what I'm hearing is a different conversation with principals. We don't need to be doing that. That's taking up so much time and energy and we're not getting any traction from it. Yes, we've always done it, but we don't need to. And what I'm also seeing is a little bit of, I guess I could call it a bit of entrepreneurialism. You know, people are actually willing to be a little bit more innovative. We're, we're very staid in our ways often in education, very conservative. And I think COVID gave us the first opportunity in a long time where we didn't feel like we had our hands tied to make decisions and to try something different. Look, a lot of the things we probably could have done, but we're just too conservative to do so many times and we don't like to rock the boat too much. But because of COVID, we did have to try new things. We did have to stretch where the policy might be able to take us. And we did it really well. And what I'm seeing is people are trying things differently. If things haven't worked, they're, they're going out on a limb and trying to be a little bit different and being a bit more flexible in their thinking. And we're not getting the same pushback from our teams. You know, we, we sometimes would have had, we have an idea and there'd be the pushback, can't do that, done it before, too hard. We've actually got staff now who know they can absolutely take on anything. They've proven that to themselves. And I think that's a whole change in our in our thinking, in our culture. Just there's there's so much good stuff in there, so much to unpack. Um, but one of the things, your final point there about entrepreneurship, I, I think from my experience and from talking to other leaders, I think one of the things that we discover is when create a culture where it's okay sometimes to not be right, to get it wrong and then try again. Um, there's, you know, that can be the fuel for entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Look, and a wonderful example, Scott, we're currently, we currently have what I would call a true pilot. We like to have lots of pilots, but normally they're a pilot where you just expect that goal to be reached. Now, we have what's called an attendance pilot across our state in New South Wales at the moment. And the way that it is being formed and the way that we are sharing that pilot is it actually is a pilot in the true nature of things. We are trying things. We don't know if they're going to work. But we're going to try these strategies, report back, see if what does take traction, see what we can refine and see what else we might need to do to get it right the second time around or the third time around. And that's the first time I'm hearing that language. I've never heard it that that put that way before, to be honest. You know, a pilot just means you're the first group to try it and we're all going to do it very soon. But this is actually <laughs> in the true nature. We're actually going to report back 
and say, look, these things just aren't giving us the, our bang for our buck, whether that's buck as in money or whether it's in time and effort. But it is truly now looking at what we we are getting traction from and what we can escalate and take forward and, and harness moving forward, which is exciting to have that different language rather than this is the way we're going to go. And that's the first time I've probably heard that. Nice. Josie, that's fantastic. You you work with principals across your 20 schools and you know so many more all around the state, all around the country, all around the world. And without naming names, because that wouldn't be right, you set you could probably tell us some principles of uh, that haven't really embraced this as much as others. Some have found their niche niche and uh, really blossomed. For those that have been going really well and really found ways to be flexible beyond what they even thought, what are some of those examples or some of their attributes that other leaders around the world listening in could take to say, if we did, if we did a little more of that, we'd actually get the payoff. And it doesn't have to be all educational outcomes. I'm not looking for a perfect education answer. It could be in all the other stuff that we've had to do to get through this year. Yeah. Look, the first thing that comes to mind when I look at the principles who have not only managed but actually thrived in this COVID world, it's a lot to do with their personal attributes. And the first one would be certainly those people who are those positive half glass full people. They see challenge and, and in that challenge they see possibilities. And they say to themselves, you know, what can we do? What can we get the best out of this? And it's those principles I saw really thrive the whole way through. They were the ones that could realise that agility is going to take them forward, that being able to change and move is a really big strength. And the fact that you may not know what's coming next doesn't mean it's a weakness. It actually means that you're willing to be able to move with the changing platform and to look for opportunities within that platform. So some of the attributes that go with that, you know, generally being calm, positive, seeing things from other people's point of view were really important and also being really honest. I know with myself, I, was, I would have almost a daily check-in with my principals via Zoom or whatever platform and there were days where I didn't know the answer and it was about being open and honest and saying we're actually manipulating this new environment together I don't know the answer. I'll try my best to find out. It may be a different answer by tomorrow. And rather than that feel, you know, this is the end of the world, it was about creating certainty when there was no certainty, if you know what I mean, by reassuring, by working along together, by making sure that, you know, if you if you tried a new strategy, that wasn't going to be poo-pooed, a bit like a pilot. You know, you give us feedback, did it work, share, share the good news. So the principles that were able to do that with their teams what a growth I saw in their schools. I saw schools where there was, wasn't the greatest of, of climates, not just in my patch, but across the board. And I saw staff really draw together, work together. And for the first time for many, rather than competition, there was collaboration. And that was a really striking uh, factor of some really successful schools. I, I next thought that one of the best attributes I saw coming forward was really that distributed leadership model, that principals knew they couldn't do that all themselves. And they really relied on, as I briefly mentioned before, leadership qualities that don't necessarily come with the title. And like we, we had, for example, teachers aides who were providing professional learning around a particular platform, for example. People who had the expertise were leading and that was so exciting to be able to say, oh, who was working on that? That was one That was one of my classroom teachers. This is a casual teacher who's just come to the school three weeks ago. It was amazing to see people 
lead. And we're always trying to say every teacher's a leader. And during COVID, every teacher was absolutely a leader. And in those schools that took it in the right frame of mind, that collaborative, uh, collective efficacy coming through, it was the game changer for them, ensuring that everyone had, the, if they had the capacity, they could lead. And as a result, we saw changes in staff that I think we would maybe have never got to or took taken many years. And because it wasn't, it was across the board, we had teachers who had previously refused to take on, for example, a Zoom meeting. It's just their second nature mm. now. You know, it was done so beautifully and so well. And these teachers now are, are thriving in this new environment. Can't believe they, they hadn't used it before. Um, also, I think communication is really important. And even when you haven't got much to say, there were some times where I would connect with my principals and I thought, oh, gosh, I haven't really got the answers yet. But having that communication, that open trust with people is so important and making yourself vulnerable to say, yeah, I don't quite know, but we're going to work through this. I think principals who did that and didn't just lead, you know, from, from a, um, you know, a message sent out now and again, they actually put themselves out there. And I know it was on Zoom, but it was out there to say, look, we're working on this, thanking people, showing that you care about them first and foremost. And I think principals who really showed their care as staff made a huge difference. Yeah, it was about the students, of course. But that, those, parents, those teachers are also parents. They're also, you know, worried about their own health. Some of them have health conditions. Some of them have uh, relatives who are elderly, et cetera. And it was those people who shared that care and concern that I think were the biggest winners in building relationships and building a really great culture for their school. So I think, you know, they always say relationships, 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 but it really is true. And COVID was absolutely no different. So I think that's just some of the things that, that, that come to mind of the great qualities. Um, I love the way that some principals have been able to try things that are different, but now are trying to harness them moving forward. And that shows me true leadership. It's not just bouncing back into the old for the sake of, you know, being what we, that's what we've always done, but actually want to have that conversation about what can we take forward and what can we make a difference as we move into our non-COVID non world or our normal COVID world. So, so Josie, this is a bit about you, you know, looking inside. How, how do you keep yourself um, motivated and excited? And how do you show up at these schools? How do you jump into the Zoom, walk in the door and, you know, maintain this energy? How do you, and how are you continually, I mean, this is all about growing and changing and learning and developing. How are you doing that? Look, a lot of it is very much a mindset and you, I'm, I'm personally driven by my moral purpose about what my job is all about and that motivates me and not doing same old, same old. I'm always trying to extend and look at another way of doing things, a better way of doing things and that motivates me. But my biggest motivation is you do if you do a good job with your principals, and they do a good job with their staff and their staff would do a good job with their kids. That is the greatest motivation that you can ever have. Often my job, you may not see the direct, the direct impact, but when you get, um, I just hopped off a, a Zoom with one of my principals and when you get feedback to say that, you know, you've motivated, motivated me to do this and that's motivated my staff to do this and I'm getting this great feedback from my community, 
that's got to be the most fantastic reward that you can possibly get. And that's what motivates me. I think if I did the same old, same old forever, you, you could become quite um, overrun by just policy and, and, you know, continual emails and all those sort of things. But I guess for myself, I very much cut, um, put them into different compartments. You know, I've got, I've got sort of my management. I guess this is like principles as well. You put things into that you have to do. You know, my job involves answering complaints and all that sort of stuff. I see that as part, a small part of my job, which hopefully will help my principals do a better job leading their school. If I can take things off their plate, it helps them better lead. And then I get my, my things that I have got ongoing. And then the exciting parts come when I'm thinking of new ways of doing things. You know, I'm, I'm currently working with a team that we've developed around not the usual transition of going from a primary school into a high school. I'm not sure what they call them in all the different places we're connecting with today. But the, the normal transition would be, you know, meet the, meet the staff and have a barbecue and have a sports day. We, our transition is about transition of pedagogy. And it is so exciting. We have got expressions of interest coming from classroom teachers, experts outside of schools, a school principal leading different areas of transition. One of them, for example, that I'm working with is the high potential, the high potential team. So this is the first time that we've worked across an entire network, you know, 20 schools working with outside services, principals, director, to relook at the transition of pedagogy. How can we take those kids with high potential in this case and make sure they're not lost when they get to high school, they're not getting bored and they're not then becoming non-attenders and they're not achieving? How can we best identify their talents? And those talents are beyond just, you know, what you'd see in a standardised test. Those talents that we don't want to miss there's exciting parts that education needs to really boost and, and identify and, and make thrive. So that's the sort of excitement that really keeps me going when we start new projects and um, try new things that we hope will make a big difference for our kids. Josie, that's amazing. Your insights are going to take people much longer than the 20 minutes of this podcast to, to fully grasp. But as we wrap up today, we always like to leave our listeners with sort of a challenge. And I thought yours could be to think about one example that you think is the best one of anyone who's built into their plan for next year, something that they learned this year, not just, you know, they're excited about 2021, like we all are. But what is some, uh, one example? And could you say you would you're really impressed with that one and ask everybody to take that on board and figure out how to incorporate it into their own school plans? Look, one that just comes comes to mind is the differentiation for our students. And um, what, what I'll just give you the example. We had a, a little fellow at one of our schools who was a challenge in behaviour, who was underachieving, who people didn't actually believe had much capacity in um, a lot of the key learning areas and was certainly, um, as I said, quite challenging with his behaviour. During COVID... Teachers reported back that this child was a different child. He had suffered ex from extreme eczema, from anxiety, which also made him quite um, aggressive, they believe. During the online platform, we noticed that this little fellow, his whole um, eczema had cleared up, according to his parents. His teachers were saying he was able to articulate his thinking, which he had never done before. He was actually demonstrating scientific projects online to other students, whereas before he wouldn't even participate in class. 
So I know this is only talking about one student, but the challenge for this school is I said, how, what can you do? There's lots of those one students. Let's try something to, to work with this child. So with his health professionals, we've actually worked out a schedule where he's going to be working online for part of the day. And not that we want to isolate kids, but it's about finding what actually works for these kids. And maybe he can increase his time. But he clearly had no success in the classroom. He was at danger of being disengaged, probably leaving school as soon as he could or not attending until he turned 17. But this way, this child has become a different child. At the moment, he's working half a day online and half a day in class. And he understands that he's going to get that opportunity to go back to his online and thrive in that in that environment. And it's changed his whole life. Yeah, his behaviour has yeah, cha changed in the mainstream classroom as well. He, um, he believes that teachers actually get him and know him. So I guess my challenge is, you know, how many of those students out there can you really get to know and see what makes them tick and what can make them thrive? Because that, if we put all those kids together, we're actually going to change whole whole demographics of kids for the future, and that that really is what it's all about. That's great, Josie, and and this really is all about that one child. So so thank you. Pleasure, hey, Josie. Thanks for joining us today. It's been fantastic. You have have you? I think with your on board for this uh, second season and and episode two, we will get through this. It's the fantastic leaders like yourself around the world that have really been so heroic. I call them first responders for the future of the planet. And I think there's a good reason why we should celebrate being educators. For all of our listeners, Josie Bailey's here in New South Wales, Australia, and you can see the remarkable quality of the people we have leading our schools and teaching in our schools. And we're really proud to be part of your professional network, Josie. Thank you, it's been a pleasure being here. Thank you, Josie. Yeah, and we'll see everybody next time where we will get through this on behalf of Scott, have a great rest of your week, and we'll look forward to talking with you soon. Take care.